Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Tadas Visconta. Tadas runs a blog called Abnormal Returns and has authored a similarly titled book. Tadas has an extensive background in the world of finance and has been blogging since the mid-2000s. Also, we get into a discussion both about uh, what he's learned in his years of blogging, but also the finance industry in general, some wisdom that anyone can take home and apply, and he wraps things up with an interesting personal challenge. So I encourage you to check that out and enjoy my conversation with Tadas Visconta. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, Aaron. It's a pleasure. So there's a lot I want to talk about, but I actually want to start with the name of your blog. Uh, it's called Abnormal Returns, and it's also the name of your book, which we'll get into. But one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm a young guy, but of the reading I've done, the, the one thing, I even had professors warning me about this back in college, was you want to be careful about the person who's promising the returns that are you know, larger than life or seem too good to be true. So I got to ask, where did the name abnormal returns come from and, and what does that mean to you? Well, as you know, as you know, it's a it's a technical term in finance. And so uh, when I was when I was starting the blog, um, I really just went through a financial dictionary and was looking for terms and looking for words that I thought were interesting and catchy, you know, like anybody these days who's trying to find a URL. Um, it's, it's harder now than it was 10 years ago, for sure. And so trying to find a URL that was interesting and available uh, was a challenge then, and it's more of a challenge now. So I really, I really just kind of honed in on three or four kind of phrases and words, and abnormal returns kind of stuck with me. I didn't really think about it being kind of at the beginning of the alphabet, but that kind of worked out well. Um, so it was really kind of happenstance. You know, I knew that it was uh, kind of a key or critical term in finance, and so that was really kind of my uh, kind of kind of the thinking there. Gotcha. Yeah, similar similar philosophy when I was naming the show and the blog. Uh, going deep can be kind of a double entendre, both getting into in depth conversations and also I'm an ultimate frisbee player and my skill or you know Madden ninety nine trade is going deep for the disc. So it's it's funny how those things kind of snowball and and I probably should have done a little more research because it turns out there's like a National Geographic show or something that's also called Going Deep with someone else. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Your other kind of component of the blog is that it proudly declares itself forecast free. Why declare that as a key feature of the blog and, and how does that relate to your core investing or finance philosophy? Well, I'm going to I'm going to digress and tell you one quick story about naming things before I before I get into that. I heard sure. I heard Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters and Nirvana fame talking about uh, you know, the name Foo Fighters. And he said, if I, if I knew that this band was going to go on for years and years, I would have thought of a better name for the band. So, <laughs> so you have to be careful when you're naming stuff. So uh, per, per Dave Grohl. But in terms of um, kind of the, the moniker for the blog, that was really that was really from day one. And uh, what I was thinking there was when I, I kind of in a certain sense, I was kind of stalking 
the investment bloggers for, for a little while before I got started. You know, you kind of you're reading everything. You're kind of getting the lay of the land. You're kind of seeing what's going on. And 10 years ago, things were still kind of ramping up, but there was definitely some stuff going on in the blogosphere. And the one thing that I saw that it was kind of really rife with predictions and charts and forecasts. And it was, you know, buy this stock. It's, there's a certain pattern in this stock, and it's going to go from 20 to 30 over this time frame, so on and so forth. And it, and it felt very sort of kind of transactional in a certain sense. And that's really, I, I really wasn't interested in that. I was interested in kind of investment strategy and philosophy and, and thinking about uh, these sorts of things, kind of in a like in a certain sense, a little bit deeper than kind of some of that what I view as being a little bit more superficial or, or a little bit more transactional. So declaring something forecast free kind of says, hey, come here. This is a little bit kind of a safe space. I'm not going to bombard you with uh, forecasts or market calls or things like that. It's a place for you to come and think about what you're doing, maybe reflect on it, maybe learn something. Uh, I, I like to think of it as an as a edu educational resource more than anything. So that was really kind of my thinking there. That's interesting that that's something that you valued and found so important. You studied economics and political science at the University of Indiana and got an MBA from the University of Chicago. Is that where you kind of developed this philosophy or this perspective when it comes to the value of these predictions? Or, or where did that find its genesis? Well, I think that really kind of came to me later in life because I think that, you know, like, you know, I think like anybody who gets interested in the markets at a younger age, you know, I like a lot of people probably think I knew more than I really did. And so, you know, uh, over time and over over the decades, I've learned that I know a lot less than I think that I do. And so, you know, I've traded, you know, I've traded all sorts of stuff, both professionally and personally. I've traded stocks and options and Forex and futures. And I thought that, you know, I thought it day traded for a while even. So I've done a lot of different things. And I thought that I, you know, like I said, I thought I knew a lot about uh, what was going on. But as time went on and I gathered some experience and did more reading and learned, kind of gave me a little bit more perspective on things. And I think that, you know, I don't think there's, you know, there's, let me just make kind of a, a side point. You know, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, trying to beat the market, trying to trade, trying to generate alpha or abnormal returns in whatever sense or fashion you want to do that. I think that's great. I mean, I think everybody should be able to do that in a certain sense if that's what they want to do. But I think that, you know, taking a step back, that's really not what most people want to do. Uh, I've written on the blog before that, you know, I, I picked a number out of the air. I said 99% of people really don't want to trade. They really want to put their money into some investments, hopefully have it grow over time and provide for various things they need down the road, whether it be a house, a college education, retirement, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, that's two, you know, so it's one sense, it's really, so the idea is really not, it's, not necessarily uh, ignoring or not talking to that world that really wants to try and generate alpha, but it's really kind of shifting the focus a little bit towards the broader audience that is really, um, really not interested in that stuff and is more focused on the long term in a certain sense. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that that, that was kind of a lesson that you learned later on and that it, it took a little bit of seasoning to come to that understanding. My dad, one of his favorite phrases is, you can learn things the easy way or the hard way. Um, I guess my question for you is, was that a lesson that you had to learn in a hard way, or did you learn it in an easy way, or is there a story about a time when you 
came to that realization or took a step towards coming to that realization? You know, I don't know that there was any sort of, you know, epiphany or anything like that. I think it was really kind of an accumulation uh, over time. And so, you know, from that perspective, you know, like I said, it's really not a kind of a bolt of lightning. It was really more of a sense of kind of getting a little bit broader perspective on things. And so, you know, I think that's one thing about investing that I think is really challenge. It's both interesting and challenging because I think that everybody comes to investing and trading or however you want to phrase things kind of with their own life experience, their own baggage, their own education in a certain sense. And so, you know, it's it, whenever somebody says, hey, give me, you know, give me a list of three books that you need to read to become, you know, a better investor. I'm like, I kind of shrug my shoulders and say, you know, that's a really difficult question because everybody's kind of coming at it with a different sort of skill set and interest. And so a book that might make sense to someone who is, you know, been investing for 20 years might be completely useless to somebody who's just getting started and vice versa. So I think different things kind of hit you at different times. And so, you know, your phrase about learning things the easy way or the hard way is, you know, is, is, a, is an interesting one because, you know, a lot of people learn lessons about investing and trading the hard way. You know, they experience a loss. They experience some sort of, you know, a really a thing that sort of damages their portfolio and kind of their confidence. And so I think that's that happens a lot. But that's not the only way. You know, there is there is great value, I think, in reading and trying to learn from other people's experiences, whether it be in books or blogs or, you know, even something like this, a podcast. So I, I think doing all those things in a certain respect uh, are important. And so hopefully you're trying to avoid any, you know, those really expensive lessons. And so learning from other people who have experienced those um, and survive them in a certain sense is is useful. So I think there's, you know, it's that's one I that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying it's both easy and difficult. And so trying to read as widely and trying to uh, capture the experience of other people is 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 very useful. For sure, and I think that's without a doubt something that transcends finance and investing. It's it's any lesson, whether you're coaching an athlete or or teaching any skill. It's very common as someone who's doing the teaching to see someone making the same mistakes you've made and wishing that you could just drop that experience onto them and, and help them accelerate through the hardships that may be right on their horizon. But it's not always easy to do. Uh, one of the ways that you go about that and, and help people to read more broadly and, and touch a lot of different bases is through your regular regular link roundup that comes out daily on your blog. We were talking before this podcast about how that was one of the inspirations for the digital content curator that I do on my blog. In terms of choosing what links to feature, you feature a pretty large list that I imagine requires you to do a lot of reading daily. One of the things that I've kind of struggled and been working on in my pursuit of a similar goal is to work on my filters. So how quickly can you start reading something and realize, uh, I don't know if this is really worth sharing. I don't really know if this is uh, really getting into the, the nuts and bolts of an issue, if it's more of a superficial piece of writing. Um, and it, does this you know, make the cut as far as what I'm willing to share and, and think my audience would value uh, me sharing with them? So can you talk a little bit about how you make those decisions, how your filters have been refined, and uh, anything else related to that? 
Well, in a certain respect, I'm always filtering. You know, I'm always looking. It's, uh, you know, it's, I think, both a blessing and a curse in the sense that every time I read something, I'm thinking about whether it is, like you said, is it worthy of sharing? Is it something to dig deeper on? You know, so on and so forth. So um, I think that's both good and bad from kind of a personal perspective. But yeah, no, I think filtering is, is really a challenge. And I think that, you know, I try and use every tool that I have available. You know, I, I say that, you know, everything, stuff kind of comes to me in all sorts of different directions, whether it be email, whether it be Twitter and stock twits, whether it be RSS feeds, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I kind of take it all in. And I, you know, one thing that I have, I've certainly become better over time is, you know, is as my tastes have become a little bit more specific, it becomes easier to find stuff that you know, that kind of speaks to me and I can, I can more quickly identify those things and, and move on to other things. But, you know, like anything else, your tastes kind of change and your interests change. And, you know, at the same time, you know, the, the world is kind of changing as well. And so things that I might have found interesting a few years ago, I may not find interesting at all. And so really just, you know, from that perspective, I don't try and put any additional pressure on myself. I'm really, I'm really linking to stuff that I find interesting. Uh, I don't have to agree with it, but I do have to find it interesting. And that's really kind of the, the only standard that I use. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I'm not, in that sense, I'm not trying to talk to, you know, an audience. I'm not trying to orchestrate something. I'm really just, you know, linking to stuff that's interesting. And over time, that, that those things kind of accumulate. And, you know, uh, you know, when I wrote my book a few years ago, that was really what it was. The stuff that I was writing about in that book were ideas or concepts, things that have kind of accumulated over time and, and rose to the level of, you know, writing about it at book length. And so uh, that, that's really how I think about it. And I think that, you know, uh, you know, really just using your own, you're really just using your own taste as the barometer. And so that's, that's the way I think about it. Absolutely. Another thing I've been doing is kind of using my network, both uh, you know, when people in my network share links with me and, and I value their opinion, they say, this is really good. I definitely give it my full attention. But also if I read something and sometimes it kind of falls in this gray area where I'm like, this is interesting, but I don't know how valid the, the claim they're making is and how, how legit is the source. And then passing along to someone with more expertise in that area and basically asking them to kind of decipher and translate it to me so that I can understand it a little bit better is also something I've found really valuable. But you made a nice segue into talking about your book. And, and something that I've been interested in, we've had a couple writers on recently who both blog and have put out a book or books. And I just wanted to maybe ask you a little bit about your writing process, but also uh, the difference of transitioning from blogging to writing a book. There's some people who say, you know, a book is just a series of blog posts strung together. There's other people who say it's this completely different process that has to be much more uh, focused and condensed. I want to learn a little bit more about how you think about that. I think it's somewhere in between. I think that, you know, when I, when I wrote my book, I started with a blank page. Um, I wasn't, you know, I didn't copy and paste anything. I didn't take any, you know, I didn't take any blog posts and try and, uh, you know, try and adapt them. I was really kind of writing, you know, writing from square one. So I think that's, that's somewhat different. And I think that blogging to me, I was thinking about this today, uh, ironically, uh, blogging to me is really about connecting with other people. It is about identifying what other people have written, amplifying it, disagreeing with it, 
adding to it or simply, you know, like I said, amplifying it, just saying, hey, you know, this idea is interesting. Um, I just want, you know, I want to note that. And so to me, blogging is really about linking. It's about, you know, providing opportunities to look at other people's work. And so a, a book is in part that, but it is definitely more your voice in a certain respect. And so, you know, as I laid things out and as I kind of organized things, it was really more about what I was thinking. And I use other people's work as support for those, for, for those ideas and for those themes. And so in that regard, it's a little bit different in, my, in that respect. You know, on the blog, I'm happy to do a post that just really, you know, links to other people and says, look at all this, you know, look at all this cool stuff that they've written. That's not really a book. You know, a book is, you know, you're coming to the book, you know, you're, as the author, your name is on that book. Uh, you're kind of responsible for the content and for the ideas in that. So I think you have to take a lot more ownership in that respect. Tell me about, uh, from the, the starting point of, I'm going to start writing this book, it needs to happen, to I've produced my final draft. Uh, about how long did that take? What was your process like on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis? You know, and you know, for better or worse, uh, I, I'm pretty disciplined in that regard. And I was really writing every workday for a couple of hours in the afternoon. And so that was really, I really kind of cranked through it. And so, you know, I, I had a pretty good outline in terms of what I wanted to write, and I, and I stuck pretty closely to that script. And so, you know, I think that's one difference between, you know, between fiction and nonfiction in a certain sense. Nonfiction, you can kind of really lay things out, and you can kind of uh, fill in those spaces. With fiction, you know, the characters kind of have a life unto themselves, and you can, uh, you can kind of go off into uh, down dark, la- dark alleys and dead ends. And so I think in that respect, being able to lay things out ahead of time and really work through it. And like I said, all that time I spent blogging was really, you know, was was in a certain respect research for the book. And so that's how it really, you know, in that respect, it kind of accelerated and really kind of primed the pump for me, you know, for me to write that book. And so, you know, that's, you know, people have asked me, subsequent, you know, do you know, are you going to write another book? And I say, you know, yeah, I would love to write another book. um, But it has to be something that, you know, I can really, you know, kind of get behind. I don't want to write a book just for the sake of writing a book. I want to write something that I think is interesting and rises to the level of, you know, people spending their time or hard earned money on it. So in that respect, it's to me, it's a a kind of a little bit, a little bit different perspective. I want to change uh change lanes a little bit here and talk a little bit about the progression of your career outside of your writing um so when you first graduated or left the university of chicago you were working with first chicago investment management company and then you moved over and became a consultant at stock twits which is where i kind of want to pick things up what were you doing at stock twits and uh you know during your time there is when you actually started abnormal returns so what um, how are those interlaced? Well, let, let, I'm going to, uh, there's kind of a gap in there and I, and I will, um, uh, correct one thing. I, I started abnormal returns uh, before all of that. And it, at a, after I had been blogging for a couple of years, I, uh, came into contact with Howard Lindzen at stock twits and, uh, I started blogging, uh, over there. And at one point stock twits purchased abnormal returns and we were working on some different ideas and some different products there for, a couple of years. So uh, the abnormal returns was kind of under the stock twits umbrella. Uh, and, and after a couple of years, 
uh, it kind of made sense for us to go kind of in our separate ways. And so, um, uh, so that's kind of how the progression was there. But I was very, very early on, uh, you know, kind of uh, a part, you know, a, a part of that process of, of seeing stock twits get off the stock twits get off the ground and seeing how it's grown since then. So, gotcha. Sorry, that was a missed, uh, confused a zero and a one little dyslexic oh, okay. on my part as far as looking at the uh, the timeline of things. So maybe just take me back to the first Chicago investment management company, what you were doing there, and how things progressed from that point forward. Uh, well, when I was when I graduated from undergrad, I was in something called the First Scholar Program, and that was at the old first the old first Chicago uh, ba- way back when, and that was a kind of a uh, a management training program where uh, people in the program would go go to school at night at either University of Chicago or Northwestern to get their MBA while they kind of cycled through different areas of the bank. And so that was really kind of a, a valuable opportunity and a valuable learning experience for me. So that was really, uh, really a, a great experience for me. And so from there, I, I, I kind of cycled into the investment management arena, first as a securities analysis, uh, then as kind of a quantitative analyst, and then kind of taking on some additional roles there. And so that was really where I started kind of getting more interested in, more interested in writing. And in, in that, in one of my roles there, I was co-authoring uh, research papers that were uh, published in some of the kind of some of the, the leading uh, practitioner journals. And that's kind of where I would really sort of identify where I kind of got the bug in terms of wanting to write for uh, kind of a broader audience. That process to me was interesting and fun and uh, kind of gave me the bug as it were. So had you had a general interest in writing before then, or do you feel like you had to find the topic that you really wanted to be covering? Yeah, no, it was definitely the latter. I wouldn't, you know, I, I certainly wasn't a, an aspiring writer, at, you know, up until that point. And so that was really kind of the, it was really that process that kind of got me thinking about it and got me excited about it. And eventually, after after I, after I left, uh, after I left the bank, kind of the, the, the bank, I tried to write a book at that point on kind of the hedge fund industry. It was kind of hedge funds 101, and I had a book proposal. You know, I had a nice book proposal and some sample chapters and all that, and I tried tried to get that published or tried to get a publisher interested in it, and I wasn't able to. And I and I and it was really that desire or that interest to write more that really got me. Uh, thinking about the investment blogosphere and, and eventually getting me to start um, abnormal returns. What did you take away from that experience of basically not hitting with your book proposal? What did you take away as far as I need to change this next time, or I need to, you know, I learned this lesson that you you took forward with you. You know, I, it, you know, if times had been different, I might have learned different lessons. And so, if I if at that time self-publishing a book would have been technically easier I might have gone on to do that to write to you know to write the book in full and to self-publish it you know and I think today it's almost trivial in terms of uh, being able to publish a book on you know on the Kindle or on you know the the Amazon platform and so that wasn't really available to me then uh, but what was available to me in a certain sense was blogging you know you know, it takes a couple of minutes to get up and going and, and, you know, and to get started blogging. And so I think that's, you know, I've said in the past that that's maybe 
one of the, you know, one of the reasons why people, so many, you know, a lot of people start a blog, do really well with it for a while and eventually kind of peter out. You know, it's, you know, like I said, it's almost trivial in terms of uh, being able to start a blog. The challenge is really kind of continuing on with it. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think like anything else, like you said, you'd kind of take something away from it. And, you know, certainly there's some disappointment and somewhere on my, you know, somewhere on my hard drive is that, you know, is that Word document with the proposal somewhere. So, yeah, I think it would have been, I think it would have been fun to write it at that point And it might have changed the trajectory of, uh, of my career, uh, for better or worse, for all I know. But yeah, so I think, you know, you just kind of learn from it. And, you know, when I got another opportunity to write a book, I kind of, I took that opportunity with, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, gratitude and kind of went forward from there. That's fascinating. The, speaking of the kind of the career trajectory and the career arc, uh, it's also fascinating to me when people have kind of built an online brand or a blog or, or whatever it may be and how that affects their outside business. So in terms of as abnormal returns has grown, it's built up an audience, how has that affected you in terms of maybe getting clients or building other professional relationships that you otherwise wouldn't have had? Well, you know, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I don't manage outside money, so that really hasn't uh, affected that. But, you know, it really is, you know, it sounds kind of Pollyannish or kind of trite. It really is kind of a digital billboard for you on the internet. And so, you know, I've met people, I have, you know, talked to people, I've had opportunities that I would not have had if I had not started blogging. And so from that perspective, you know, it really does broaden your reach. It really does broaden your audience. It, it exposes you to other people uh, and other ideas. And I think from that perspective, it has been, it has been high, you know, it's been greatly valuable. It may not have been, you know, financially remunerative, uh, but it certainly has been professionally, you know, valuable and personally, personally valuable as well. Interesting. Since you're not managing money right now, what are you doing outside of the the blog stuff? Well, you know, I I am you know I am blogging. I'm I'm managing my own money. Uh, I've got a, a I've got a, a large family that I help take care of as well. And so, in addition to, I've also done some some angel investing as well. So there's you know I I uh, I don't lack for. Uh, things to fill up my time. And so, but blogging has been kind of the one constant throughout. And like I said, it's been, uh, it's been a, uh, a valuable thing to me in that respect. I think that's a great note to start wrapping up on. Uh, Todd, is before we tell people how to connect with you in the digital world and you issue a personal challenge to the audience, is there anything that I didn't give you a chance to say? No, I, you know, I think that, you know, I, one thing I have to, I, I like to mention is that, you know, I have been, for a long time, I've been a, a podcasting devotee for quite some time now, and it's, I, it gives me great joy and joy to see how uh, the world of podcasting has kind of taken off. And I think that it's, you know, we talk about how uh, kind of reading widely and how that can be valuable to people and how that it provides them with, uh, you know, opportunities to learn things that they would not have otherwise. And I think podcasting might, might almost be a better medium in that respect for that. I think, uh, you know, podcasts like yours and other people's really provide uh, an opportunity to learn and listen. And it's, you know, there's even, I think there is great value in terms of 
really just listening, being able to listen to somebody in their own voice in a certain respect. I, I take, I, I always find it interesting to hear an author talk about their book and then actually read the book or vice versa. I think you can get, it helps you get a little more to, to get a little more, um, insight and go a little bit deeper on a certain topic. And I think it's a great way for people to sample, uh, ideas and things that they wouldn't have otherwise, you know, when you're in the car or you're running or you're on the treadmill at the gym, you know, it's really, it's really a perfect opportunity to kind of sample, sample different things and sample different worlds. And so one of the things I've been doing on the blog of late has been highlighting podcasts that I find, again, that I find interesting or valuable and, and try and bring those to people. And so I think that, you know, the, the things that you, you know, the, the people that you've talked to in the past and that you'll talk to in the future, I think it's, you know, it's really um, kind of a, a great service. And I think, you know, I think we're beginning to see podcasting take off. And I think it's, you know, I think it's only going to get more popular in that respect. Absolutely. It's really exciting for me. And, and that was a big motivation behind starting this podcast was just cre continue to create forums where there can be more in-depth discussions and really provide context and conversations as opposed to just so much media where it's just showing up for five minutes to plug something, maybe throw one joke in there and, and hope that some people go check it out. I, I, I know for me, a lot of the books I've found, uh, authors I've started to follow, I've really been attracted to them, finding them get interviewed through a podcast, hearing their perspective, their backstory. And like you said, bringing that to the book later on is, uh, is a really interesting experience that I'm, I'm hoping to continue to be able to provide. So thank you for that. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, connect with you in the digital world, uh, obviously they can go to the website abnormalreturns.com, uh, but where else can they find you or connect with you? You can, you can find me on Twitter and StockTwist at abnormalreturns, and uh, you know, uh, happy for people to reach out in, in whatever form or fashion. So. Cool, as always. That will be linked to in the show notes at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast. Make sure you check it out. Uh, before we wrap things up, I'll give you the mic one last time, Tadis, and take it away with the personal challenge. You know, I, I, I'm going to I, I'm going to say this is less of a challenge and more maybe of a change in perspective. And I think that I, I think that people are, in a certain respect, too hard on themselves when it comes to investing. You know, when we think about investing in the world of finance, it's really difficult. I think even the most successful investors find themselves frustrated or going through losing periods. And I think that people who are really just trying to get started or investing or trying to get a better handle on things really put too much pressure on themselves. And I think that, you know, you know, and, and I think in a certain respect, some of the financial media tries to put pressure on people as well, saying that, you know, do this or do that. And if you don't do that, you're a bad investor. And I think that you just have to give yourself a little bit of license and a little bit of leeway and say, you know, try and do the best that you can. Um, learn, you know, learn what you can take, learn from your mistakes. But, you know, trying to emulate, you know, I'm, I'm always frustrated when I read things that say, hey, this is how you become a great, you know, this is how you become Warren Buffett or this is how you can invest like George Soros. And the fact is that you can't, you know, those are, those guys are outliers and all you can really be is yourself in that respect. And you, you know, trying to aspire to be something that you can't be um, just from a numerical sort of perspective, I think is frustrating and damaging. And I think all you can do is really kind of be yourself. And I, so, 
you know, being yourself, trying to uh, take a little bit of pressure off, I think is valuable in that respect. And, you know, I don't know that that's a challenge per se, but I think it is kind of a different sort of perspective on how you how one might approach uh, their investing life going forward. Without a doubt, it is a, it's a breath of fresh air, and I think that a lot of people will appreciate that perspective given that it's not something that they hear uh, too often. So thank you very much for that, and thank you so much for sharing your time with me today and, and coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm sure the audience will as well. We just went deep with Tadas Visconta of Abnormal Returns. Hope everyone out there has a great day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thank you, Tadas, for coming on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher so that you do not miss another episode when it comes out. We'll be interviewing writers, ultimate game changers, entrepreneurs, people in the finance industry. Uh, You do not want to miss the forthcoming interviews that we have. Additionally, you should check out the newsletter at goingdeepwithaaron.com. Get the best of this blog and the internet once a month, a monthly wrap-up delivered straight to your inbox. All you got to do is enter your email address and it'll come straight to you. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time.